reading tonight is from Judges 15, um, and that can be found on pages 258, 259 of the Bibles in your pews. Later on, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you thoroughly hated her, he said, that I gave her to your, young, to your friend. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them, tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing corn of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing corn, together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told, Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his friend. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The men of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? We have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him, shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a, of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a, <laughs> with a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramath Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, you have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called en Hakore, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
Beth and I can only apologise for the naughty people laughing at the front. And I've got to be honest, I'm really chuffed that I've got Jesus in my life. If not, I'd be feeling really guilty as the one who puts this sermon series together to hand on to Becky. So I'll just give myself a bit of forgiveness. I'm all right. And now I'm going to pray for Becky. So Father God, we give thanks for your word, all of your word even though it is challenging at times. And Lord, we pray now for Becky. Fill her and us with your spirit. And may we hear the things that you want us to hear. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kai. There's definitely those points as a vicar where you look at the reading and think, oh, and it's been one of those days today. Some great readings this morning and this evening. So let's see where we can go with this. When I first read this chapter, I'm going to tell you what came to mind. Let's go back to perhaps being at school, but primary school. Playground antics of, no, they started it, no, they started it, no, well, I only did this because they did that. But much, much more violent. I really hope none of this stuff has actually happened in a primary school. Or we've got really, really, really big problems. But it has that, that sort of, who did what, where. But we're just going to go back a step. Getting away from, a little bit away from the retaliation and the vengeance. Because God is weaving his plan through all of this. We've looked at Samson for a couple of weeks now. And we've got to this point where um, he's really not happy. He wants to go to his wife. But she's been given to someone else. Don't even get me started on the kind of giving away of women as possessions. We're we're just going to park that one. We're not going to say it's all right. We're just going to park it. It's understandable that Samson's a bit knocked, um, but I get the distinct impression that it isn't love that's driving his behaviour. This might just now give him an opportunity to get vengeance on his enemies, the Philistines. But he has fallen for a Philistine woman who now he's not with, and so he's made inroads into that community. But then we get to this place where it's all not very happy, is it? Samson can't claim his wife, so he's not happy. But it gives him an opportunity to go and seek vengeance on the Philistines, setting fire to the harvest and destroying that. Then they respond to that destruction and kill Samson's wife and her father. Samson then kills more of them. Samson then runs away. The Philistines invade Judah looking for Samson. The people of Judah surrender surrender Samson to the Philistines. God's power comes powerfully on Samson, enabling him to break free of the things that bind him, and he goes off and kills another thousand. Then he goes on to lead Israel for 20 years. 
I don't think anybody ever said that the Bible was straightforward or simple. And there's parts of it which are really messy. And we've got one of those here. Last week, Mark spoke about the different attitudes that people have towards Samson. Is he a hero? Is he not a hero? Is he someone to copy or someone to learn from in other ways? When I was at theological college and I was on placement, um, we went out to various churches and spent various times. And some of these um, were situations where we were really comfortable, occasionally. Um, many of them were situations where they put us somewhere to kind of be out of our comfort zone and learn about new things. Sometimes that was a really positive learning experience and you could, you could take away something that perhaps you'd never experienced before but really broadened your experience of how we could worship God together. Sometimes there was a different type of learning. It was the learning what not to do, which is still a really important learning experience. So some may view Samson as a hero, and some might see him as someone to learn what not to do. We've got a big picture that we're looking at, but I'm going to park that for just a moment and think about some of the little picture things in this passage. If you're stopped from seeing your spouse or someone important to you, should you go and find a lot of foxes? And by the way, how long is it going to take to catch 300 foxes and then keep them still enough to tie their tails together? Like, what is going on? Not only then set fire to them. Okay, we're parking selling of women and we're parking animal cruelty because there's quite a lot of stuff. So how long would it have taken him, do we reckon, to find 300 foxes? I don't even know where you'd go to look for that number. But I think we can ascertain that this isn't a wise thing to do. This isn't what we would say is a good thing to copy if we're basically have been stopped from seeing somebody that we wanted to see. But what was Samson really doing? He was getting his own back on the community because he didn't get what he wanted. The excuse to give vengeance to the enemies, the Philistines. I suspect, and I really hope I know the answer to this question, that none of us have gone out and found 300 foxes, started tying their tails together and set fire to a community by setting fire to animals. Again, we'll just park the answer to that in case it scares me. But have we ever acted in haste, been a bit hot-headed, headed, retaliated, lashed out because we didn't get our own way? Now, that might be a trickier question. And I suspect that if we're being honest, the answer would be yes. It would be for me. I suspect most of us, it's the same answer. But in God's economy, sin, doing things our way, responding in that, in that way, however we feel like, isn't graded by how many foxes were burnt in the process. 
Our actions have consequences, and those consequences can be good or bad, intended or unintended. Our behaviour impacts what happens, and that impacts those around us, often in ways that we didn't intend. Albeit, I think Samson intended to have a really bad consequence of that. It's never going to end well, is it? But back to the big picture, God isn't limited by our actions. I believe that God has got a plan. I believe that God knows what he's doing. I believe he knows the ending. I believe he knows the middle bit. I also believe that God's given each of us free will. So we often do things our way rather than God's way. And does that sometimes fry my brain figuring out how those things fit together in the big picture? Yes. God had a plan for Samson's life. God used Samson powerfully. We see at the end of the chapter that Samson went on to lead Israel for 20 years. Does that mean that everything that Samson did, God was happy about? No, I don't believe so. But God isn't illimited by our actions. God can sort the big picture to look how he wants it to look, despite us being human and doing things our way. If I think back to some of the times when there have been particularly big things going on in my life, Sometimes I see it almost in my mind's eye as if I'm walking down a road. And I'm sure that I've gone off in different ways where it would have been better if I'd stayed exactly on that path. Perhaps I even, looking back, I can see it now, but at the time thought I was meant to be in a particular place. Whereas actually it would have been better if I'd stayed here. But God can get us back on track, even when we're behaving very humanly. And so that might not be exactly following how God would have us behave. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And I'm so thankful for that. I loved what Mark said last week about the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes on Samson. There are a few instances in the previous chapter that we looked at last week. That the Holy Spirit comes in power on Samson when he needs it the most. And when does he need it the most? When he's in a sticky, difficult situation, often of his own making. If I'm honest... When I first read that, I really struggled with the idea that the Holy Spirit comes in power on Samson and then he goes off and kills a load of people. I was trying to unpack why I felt like that, apart from the obvious kind of going off and killing people. But I think how I was reading it was that Samson got himself into this situation and why is God releasing him in a way to go and slaughter more people? It's a difficult tension. It doesn't sit right with how we often do life nowadays. And then I thought more about what Mark had said and I thought about my life. 
does the Holy Spirit only come and help me when I'm doing all the right things? When I've read my Bible, the required amount of time, and yeah, I am saying that in jest, where I'm in what I deem to be a good place with God, when I've done everything right, whatever that looks like. No. And that's not how it works, is it? Because the Holy Spirit is living in me. The Holy Spirit lives in each one of us who are in relationship with God. And it's all about, as a consequence of our relationships with Jesus, it's not because we earn the right to be good enough for the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. When we are weak humanly, God can make us strong. When we're weak humanly, it, I think it almost gives more space for the Holy Spirit to work. I've definitely seen that happen in my life, where I felt like I've nothing more to give, and God does it. I don't, it's so obviously it's not me. And that is a special time. And it's so important because we then know that it's God rather than something that I could do because I've tried hard. Does it sit comfortably that Samson is freed from the things that are binding him and then he goes on and wrecks havoc? No, that doesn't sit comfortably with me. Are there other parts of the Old Testament that have a similar effect? And I similarly think, oh, yeah. But is it all Holy Scripture? Is it all God's word? Yes. Should we skip over those bits because they're difficult and they make us wrestle with it? No, I don't believe we should. We learn something when we really wrestle with something that isn't necessarily comfortable. This points to those times where God takes over and we don't know exactly what's going on. But he can use these situations for his glory. John Goldingay, a biblical scholar, um, had something to say which really helped here. And I'm just going to read it because I'm probably paraphrase it wrong if I tried. He says, God uses people with all their human shortcomings. So when God's spirit comes on someone, its concern is with doing something powerful, not immediately with doing something moral. You could say Samson did something wrong, but that can also contribute to the achieving of God's intention with regard to the Philistines. He goes on to say that God simply makes what's going on go towards the fulfilling of that purpose and how God will use Samson, whether he does the right thing or the wrong thing. 
And that's got something to say to us today. Not that we should go out and catch foxes. Not that we should go out and try and slaughter people. Not that we should go out and try and do things in our own strength. But that God can use us as we are. He changes us. Hopefully, he leads us closer to him and we become more like him. And we're less likely to go off and do things on our own the way we want to do them. But God loves each one of us. God loves Samson. God used Samson and he can use each one of us. We don't have to do that in our own strength. We shouldn't be doing that in our own strength. And if we are feeling weak, feeling like we haven't got anything to give, feeling like we can't do something, as uncomfortable as that can be, it can also be a really good place from which God can work. It can be a really good place whereby we know it's God at work in us rather than us doing something in human strength. And that's also got a lot to show the world. Because we can try our best. But when God turns up and does something, it's on a different level. And it's incredible. And God's plan comes in to fruition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you that there is always something that we can take out and apply today, even when there's confusing and difficult parts. Thank you that we don't have to be good enough to be used by you. That you take us as we are and you help us to become more like you. Thank you, Father, that you love each one of us and that you can use each one of us. Would you help us to accept and respond to both of those truths? That none of us are beyond your love and none of us are beyond being used by you. So as we're here this evening, would you, would you stir our hearts? Would you stir our minds and help us to listen to you? Would you show us what it is that you want us to hear from you right now? Would you encourage us and equip us by your Holy Spirit? That we would be able to follow you. That we would be able to trust in your love and in your plans and purposes. And we lift up everything that is going on in our lives in our communities, in the world, to you. 
we thank you that none of it is beyond you. None of it is beyond your power. And so we just in our hearts give you those situations where we need to see you at work powerfully. It might feel like a situation that was a bit like Samson being bound. So Lord, we ask that you would pour your grace, your power, your love, your mercy, your peace and your comfort into those situations where people need healing. Would you heal and comfort? Where communities need hope, would you bring your hope and your light? Where there is war and unrest, would you pour a blanket of your peace and help everyone who is serving in those situations? We ask all of this in your precious name.